Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. We're wrapping up our series that we have been in the last four weeks. We're bringing it to an end today of our age of the Messiah King. And today we are talking about his unending reign, which is so important for you and I, because when you gave your life to Jesus, you stepped into his reign, his reign of peace, his reign of his presence, his power, his goodness, his faithfulness, his gentleness, all the characteristics of Jesus we have access to. We've been looking at Isaiah chapter 9, verse six through seven, for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it, with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The zeal, the passion, the power, the omnipotence, the finality of God will do this. Mm, Powerful, powerful passage. This prophecy, as we've been talking about, was given 700 years before Christ was born on this earth. For telling his birth, his eternal reign. Yes, it talks about his coming, but it also talks about his second coming all in one sentence. Two prophecies in one. We're in the middle. The second coming hasn't happened yet. But there is this ever-increasing reign and government of his peace that's being released through his church, through you and I. Jesus did come and he did accomplish His first mission, he came and lived to die to take your sin, my sin, our rebellion upon himself so that you and I could be restored to the Father. He came to make relationship available once again that was breached, that was broken, that was shattered. But he made a way for you and I so that you and I can live in this unending reign of peace. We have access to that now through relationship with Jesus Christ. A peace that will have no end. What a treasure, what a privilege you and I have to have access to everything that Jesus has. But there is some unfinished business. It's the, what we call the second coming. It hasn't happened yet, obviously, where Jesus' government will physically be established, where all of his enemies, once and for all, will be firmly placed under his feet. Until then, there is mercy and there is grace and there is a call He's not wanting any of the parish. He gives time because of his love. But until then, we look forward to that one, that, that moment, that time in space. Whenever that is, I'm sure you and I will graduate and be long gone before then. We'll probably be part of the entourage that comes back with him. Wouldn't that be fun? Jesus talked about this even, this grand second coming. He told his followers in Luke chapter 21, he says, and there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth, distress of nations 
Wow, are we seeing that? It says, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts will fail them for fear and expectation of those things which are coming on earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. This is Jesus talking about his return. It says, now when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads. Everybody say, look up. Oh, you got to say it again with passion. Look up. Yeah, look up because it says, lift your heads because your redemption draws nigh. Jesus encourages us to look up. He encourages his people to lift their heads. You ever heard that phrase, things are looking up? What does that mean? No, I hope I get to hear that often. Things are looking up. That means, well... Things are improving. Things are getting better, right? The circumstances are getting better. It means that my problems are decreasing and my opportunities are increasing. Everybody wants that. I want to start today with a simple suggestion of faith for you and I. Things will start looking up when you start looking up. Things will start looking up when you look up. In other words, your circumstances will start to improve when you stop looking at them or whatever has got you down and you start looking up to God, something will transition and change and shift in your life. So when I start looking up, things are going to start looking up. It's a good place to be. You can put all the circumstances that you're dealing with, the difficulties of life, whatever you're dealing with, you could put it right now under his reign, under his authority, under his power, under his dominion. You have the authority yourself to do that. So when we get our eyes off ourselves and off of our problems and off of our circumstances and onto God, what happens is you begin to refocus when you look to him, you Things, when you do that, things will start looking up when I start looking up. God said, lift your eyes. He said it to some of the most famous people. He said it to Abraham. Abraham, come out of your tent. Look up. Look at the stars. That's your descendants. That's how many. He told Jacob to look up. He told Moses to look up. He told Isaiah to look up. He told his followers, that passage I just read, he says, lift up your heads. Look up. You know, when we have these dark, cold winter nights, we just have the shortest day of the year. And it's dark this time of year. And when you have those clear nights when you can step outside and look up, it's pretty fascinating, isn't it? When you just take a time to pause when you're outside of any kind of light pollution and it's just thick darkness and you look up and you see the stars and they're just glowing. The whole sky is just filled. It's really quite wonderful because... The word is true when it says the heavens declare his glory because you think, wow, God, you are powerful. You are amazing. You are so creative. Your creation is beyond words. My goodness, look what God has done. And it just makes God become so big and so massive and so powerful. You see those stars? You know, those are the same stars that were shining when Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. Same one shining down on him. When you see God's vastness by what he created, it kind of makes our problems shrink a bit, doesn't it? They don't seem so big and so overwhelming. 
at that point, when you compare him with God's greatness and what he has created around us. You know, uh, 700 years before Christ came, this, this passage that we read was spoken through Isaiah, this child who would be born, this wonderful counselor, this, this mighty, mighty God, he says, this, this prince of peace, this everlasting father, because he is from everlasting to everlasting. He's the great I am. He's the ancient of days. And Isaiah says, this whom's government shall have no end. Oh, the reign of us. Peace. Oh, this God, he's great, powerful, righteousness and justice. Oh, he will uphold forever now and forevermore. He says, God will do this. Nobody can stop his first coming and nobody will stop his second. The zeal of the Lord will passionately with fire complete this. Well, Isaiah predicts this coming of Jesus, who would be the promised Messiah, the Savior of the world, who would be great, great he would be, but gentle. He would be strong, strong enough to save us, strong enough to handle our problems and solve everything we deal with, yet tender and loving. This prophecy of Isaiah focuses mainly, though, on God's greatness his enormous power, and his unending reign. There's only one throne. God is sitting on it. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 26, he utters another word. He says, lift up your eyes. He tells us again, look up. Lift them on high and see who has created these things. Who brings out their hosts by number and calls them all by name? By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. He tells them to look up. How many stars do you see when you look up? How many stars fill the heavens? We can't number them. But God has numbered them and he's actually given them each a name. Hmm, that's powerful. So I don't know what problems you might be facing this Christmas or what you're struggling with, what fears or burdens you're carrying around, what obstacles are in your way, what confusion you might be dealing with or struggling with, what weight you feel like you're under, what fatigue you're dealing with. But I want to encourage you, look up, don't give up, look up, look up. Do the same thing that Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, and the wise men did when they felt overwhelmed their very first Christmas. You know, the first Christmas for these folks, well, it wasn't a very merry Christmas. Uh, the first Christmas for all the ones I just mentioned and many others, it was quite confusing and stressful. And they didn't have the most positive reaction when they heard the news of Jesus coming. It was a tough one. It was a tough day. Look at how Mary initially reacted to the news when she was going to be the mother of the Son of God. The Bible tells us that this angel appears to her. That right there in itself would be quite nerve-wracking. I mean, all of a sudden there's an angel. And it explains what's going to happen, right? And I mean, she's probably got a thousand questions. What? Why me? Of all the people in the world, me? Why? And how come? And, and when? When is this going to happen? And where? And how is this possibly even going to happen? And, 
I mean, what am I supposed to tell my fiance? What am I supposed to tell my family? And what am I, my friends, what are they going to say? Who's even going to believe this? Mary was quite confused and worried. Believe me, if an angel showed up and told you something like that, you would go, okay, what did I eat last night? What, what was uh, too much? But Luke chapter 1, verse 29 says this, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Troubled. Now, that's a Greek word that's interesting because that word troubled is only used one time in the New Testament. And it means perplexed, anxious, completely shaken, troubled. That's how she felt. The, she didn't feel the Mary in the Merry Christmas. She was troubled, confused. How about Joseph, though? Man, Joseph, oh. How did he react? The Bible told us that when Mary explains that she's pregnant and with child, although, Joseph, I haven't been unfaithful to you, and she's uh, still a virgin, and that, well, God was the father of the baby, you know, his initial reaction was something like Joseph was hurt and heartbroken. I mean, what would you do if your fiancé told you that? Joseph felt betrayed. He felt lied to. He felt like a fool. He felt cheated on. He was embarrassed. He didn't know what to say to his friends. I mean, my girlfriend, my fiancé is pregnant, and we've never had relations, and she's telling me that Yahweh... God, the great I am, is the Father. What am I to do? His friends would be going, dude, I don't know what's going on, man, but this is like really wild, and I think you need to get some counseling you know, or something. I mean, this is weird stuff. So he's hurt. He's disappointed. And he wants to actually be done with Mary quietly and quickly. The Bible says in Matthew 1.19 that Joseph... Her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, he, he, his, he, was minded, he was minded to put her away secretly. So Joseph isn't having a very Merry Christmas either. Now what about the shepherds? I, I love the shepherds because most of us can really relate to them. Yeah, they lived on the fringes. They were the outcasts. They didn't, have, they, weren't, they didn't have any fans. They just had each other. They were loners, taking care of sheep. They didn't smell real good. How'd they get the news? Well, Luke 2.9 says this, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. So the shepherds were scared to death. All right? I mean, the angels are showing up. All heaven. I mean, look, they don't even think people like them to start with, let alone God. And now he's sending angels? This is, this is out of the box for these guys. They weren't having a Merry Christmas. Scared. The Greek word uh, is fear, for fear is actually here is phobia. And that's where you get the word phobia. And so they were panicked. They were filled with fear. The angels are showing up. They're freaking these guys out. They don't know what's going on. They want to hide. They're sweating. They're, they're trembling. Their heart's pounding. A couple of them are probably looking for an outhouse. You know, it's like not good. And so they're petrified and they're freaked out. How about the wise men? These are the last guys in this little story. Let me tell you about these guys first because it took them a long time to get to Jerusalem and then from there to Bethlehem. Long journey, big caravan. 
Let me remind you who these guys are. They're royal advisors and scholars. They're, they're from either Babylon, which is now uh, Iraq, or from Persia, which is now considered uh, Iran. So they were scientists of their day. They were the best educated people in the world. They served the royal courts. They were very, very wealthy. They were the exact opposite of the shepherds, right? The smelly outcast loners and nobodies of society. These guys were astronomers. I mean, they studied the stars. They studied literature and language and mathematics and history. But they weren't kings. You know, you sing, we three kings. No, they weren't kings. There, there were three gifts they brought, but they weren't kings. They, and there could have been 10, there could have been 20, there could have been 50. Some say there were 70. They don't know. But they weren't kings. They served kings. They served emperors as advisors. And these guys have been traveling on camels through the desert, through rough terrain, uh, something like a thousand miles. I don't know. It was just a long, long journey through dangerous territory on camels with cam uh, ca wagons and stuff. And I mean, they, it was just a, a tough journey day and night for something like nine months or years. Some say more. That's a long time. How many think that the wise men were exhausted? I mean, they get there, you know, and they got camel sores. You know, we get bed sores, they got camel sores. And they're, it's been rough. It's been long. It's been dusty. And they're exhausted. And they're probably thinking, man, well, I hope this trip was worth it. You know, we thought about turning around about eight times on this trip. Like, are we chasing something that's really not going to happen? I mean, is this really the best decision? Are we, is this wasting our time? I mean, this is a huge, you talk about... These guys, I don't know where they were in their faith and all that. They even had faith, but this, but this is a faith journey. Really, it is. I mean, they're looking at stars. They're trying to figure things out. So you got Mary, Joseph, the shepherds of these wise men, and you got all these emotions. Some are confused. Some are worried. Some are fearful. Some are heartbroken and feeling, you know, hurt and betrayed. And some are just scared. And some are absolutely just exhausted, fatigued. And all of them probably at one time, maybe more, just wanted to give up. Say, I don't know about this. This is just crazy. I mean, have you ever felt like that? You ever wrestled with any of those emotions for a season? I mean, you're feeling confused or you're hurt or you're tired. You're just exhausted or you got fears in your life, concerns. You don't know what to do. I mean, what does this Christmas story say to you today? Well, here's the key. Do, we got to do what these people did when they felt like giving up, when they were in the middle of all this. The very first Christmas, every one of these characters looked up to God. They all looked up. That's how we started. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your heads. When their focus changed, then their feelings changed. You ever notice that when you start focusing on something different, your emotions shift. All of a sudden, you feel better, but you're not really sure why, but you go, well, I'm looking at something different now, and I think it's helping me. When I look up, things will start looking up. Everything changed for Mary when she focused on God's promises, specifically. First of all, Mary's facing an unplanned pregnancy. 
Can you imagine the gossip and the rumors? Her likely rejection by her fiance, which she had to wrestle through. Her family, her friends, what are they going to say? Was she going to be ostracized from her community? And what about all those glorious wedding plans? You can forget about that. So Mary looked up. She turned her focus to God, specifically the promises of God. And when she did that, she began to believe, and she began to see that God had a bigger and better idea for her life. That she began to see that this was not the end of the story, but this was actually the beginning of a much greater story, and God had chosen her to be a vital part of it. Wow. So the angel said to Mary, Mary, Luke 1, for with God, nothing's impossible. That's a huge promise that she latched on to. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. She changed her focus. It changed her feelings. She went from confusion to celebration. And you can read her song of celebration. It's powerful. And what about Joseph? Joseph, when he when he changed his focus, when he looked up, he stopped focusing on the pain and started focusing actually on God's plan. Everything changed when focus, Joseph began to focus on God's plan. Um, Joseph, of course, feeling hurt and betrayed, shame for Mary. He couldn't see any other solution to his plan but just to break off the engagement. Have you ever been in that situation where you just felt like, man, I just need to get out of this. I don't see it other way. I see an abandoned ship. You know, you just run and jump and hope you land in a good place. So he has this dream. And he looks up and there's this angel in the dream <laughs> and reveals God's plan to him. And now he's focused not on pain, but on the plan of God. Something shifted in Joseph at that point, set him on a whole new trajectory. He became the leader, man, taking care of his soon-to-be wife, taking care of business, man, leading the charge. And then you got the shepherds, man, those shepherds. Everything changed for the shepherds when, when they looked up as well. It says that these, these shepherds, they've been only focusing, of course, as a shepherd on protecting their sheep. That's what they do. It's nighttime. The predators are coming out, so their whole job is get the sheep in a safe place, and we'll just lay down here for the night, and we'll keep our eyes peeled and make sure nothing happens to our sheep. That's what we do. We protect our sheep. That's their focus. Well, all of a sudden, this, these angels show up, and of course, it's a brilliant and bold and huge light show. I mean, whoa, you know, it's like poor shepherds, you know. I wonder if God's up there going, hey, come here, guys, watch this. <laughs> this is going to be great, man. These guys are going to, like, freak out. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. We're like, ah, you know. And can you see the angels? Hey, 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 guys, hey, 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 stop. Don't move. Just focus right here. We're not here to hurt you guys, all right? I know you're freaking out. I know you're scared. But just listen for a minute. So they're kind of like, okay, this angel's going to talk to me. Ooh. And the angel says, focus. Luke 2, do not be afraid. Behold, I bring to you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Of course, that changed their whole focus, man. 
all of a sudden they find themselves running to Bethlehem to see this Christ child. And as they make, as they get this, they, they fulfill the visit. Of course, they're encountering God in this moment. Everyone who did that just seemed to transform them. It just, it was so supernatural and so powerful that after that, they went from fearful to courage. I mean, now they're bold. Now they're running around everywhere they could go telling people about what they just did and that there's Christ child's been born and they become like these frontline evangelists. Powerful. Their fears were turned to fun. They're like, yeah, this is awesome. We heard this first. And so, what about these wise men, though? Boy, you know, everything changed for the wise men when they met Jesus. Something happened. So powerful. The wise men, you know, these guys have been looking up all along. They have been looking at the stars for a long time. They've been trying to discern and look for that thing. Yes, it says the star went before them eventually and stood over a house. <laughs> Stars don't do that. This is a miracle. And they were seeing something out of the norm. They knew it. It was supernatural. And they were just, they just, their whole entire journey, they're trying to keep their eyes, they're looking, they're looking at the maps and the galaxies and the, whatever it is, astronomy, and they're just, man, they're they are trying to stay, stay the course. And that's what they did through their journey that took them to Jesus in the first place was looking up. I'll have the worship team come on out. You know, if they hadn't been looking up, they never would have seen the star or the sign in the sky. They would have missed the whole event. But that star led them eventually to Bethlehem. And when they came to the place where Jesus was, it says they entered into the house, saw the child, bowed down and worshiped him and gave him gifts. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but that word bow down or worship implies this. If I were to stand up really high and drop a vase and it fell to the floor and shattered into a thousand pieces, that's what that word actually means. It means they were completely shattered and undone in the presence of this child. That something of a revelation happened that was so powerful, so pungent, so amazing and so impactful that it brought them to their knees and they were shattered. It says their emotions and their whole being, they were just completely undone. And they opened their treasures. Wow. All the fatigue, all the exhaustion, the months of travel, the aches and pains, sitting on camels, the questions, the doubts, everything just evaporated in that one moment. And they realized they were in the presence of majesty, of almightiness, of eternity before them. And they were undone. It was a unique and divine moment. Let me ask you, how do you know when you've really met Jesus? I'm not talking about knowing about him, you know, stories or whatever. But how do you know when you have actually really met Jesus? I'll never forget when I was 20 years old, when I had an encounter that changed my life forever. Forever. 
I was never the same. I was so radically saved and undone. My life instantly, powerfully changed. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus has that kind of power and influence over lives. So how do you know? Well, I think when you encounter Jesus, you'll probably respond the way that the Magi, the three wise men, or the however many were there, wise men responded. I think you'll act in a lot of the same ways. First of all, when you meet Jesus personally, you're going to be so humbled in his presence, you will be bowed down in your heart. You'll lose all sense of ego, arrogance, self-importance, narcissism. Everything just evaporates, and it's all about Jesus. You don't care what people think all of a sudden. You, could, you just don't even, it's like you're lost in him. Everybody else disappears, and it's all about, I just need to bow my heart to him, my will to him, because this is out of this world. This is what I've been longing for. There's some gaping hole inside me and it just got filled for the first time. I, I all of a sudden have a peace that uh, I, I can't explain it. I have a joy. I, I can't put words to it. It's all supernatural. I've dealt, I, I've sensed things. I've had emotions, but this is beyond all that. This transcends everything. And you can't do anything but just bow your heart before him and say, Jesus, I just need you. And then you open up everything that you hold dear. Well, first of all, you express your gratitude and love. We call that worship. You know, when you've been forgiven much and loved much, the Bible says you will love much. And that's what happens. You're, for the first time, you, you begin to express yourself before Jesus and maybe ways you'd never have before and you'd you later on learned that this is, this is worship. It's flowing from your life. It's been tapped into and it's been released and it's something that you just want to do because you love him so much. When, you, when you've experienced this kind of love, you know, people chase after love. They experience all kinds of stuff that's cheap substitutes. But when you experience the real love of God, the real love of God, That'll, that'll change you. You can't help but honor and worship and love back. And then we open our, our, tre our treasure chest before him. And what I mean by that is those things that you hold so dear to your heart that you try to keep to yourself. It could be fears. It could be your dreams. It could be your ambitions. It could be your children. It could be stuff that you thought, man, I got to hang on to this because somehow I got to protect this. And you realize you can't. And you realize there's one person that can and that he created you and he made you that way. And he's put dreams in your heart and he's given you all that stuff. And so you just give it back to him. You say, I just realized I'm just a steward over this God. And you're the one who can really take care of this. You're the only one who can really protect this. And, and I just got to give it back to you because it came from you and I'm so thankful and you just there's this deep level of surrender this is what happens when we meet Jesus and of course the last thing is you you always want to give him the best of everything you got not out of duty not out of guilt not out of pressure but just out of sheer gratitude because you have experienced the wonderful generosity of God and something in you wants to be so generous back to him or whoever. 
and you begin to express yourself, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your treasure, everything just, it's like I just, I just want to give. And you no longer become, you're no longer a taker, you become a giver. You become a contributor. Wherever you go, you just want to somehow leave a blessing. You want the life of God flowing through you. You want to deposit life everywhere because you got life in you. Eternal life. And you just can't help but let Jesus out somehow. This is what happens when you meet Jesus. This is how he transforms us from the inside out. He just, it just bleeds out of us. And oh man, I'm telling you. That's why the Bible says, oh, if you would just taste, if you would just taste and see that the Lord is good, that Jesus, good, powerful, wonderful, glorious, mighty, omnipotent, but good, really good Jesus is really all you need. And until you've really encountered him, you'll just be clamoring after cheap substitutes and you'll just come up empty and you'll be wringing your hands and but when I want to challenge you this morning if you've never met Jesus just say Jesus I really need you I'm sorry I've been running maybe you knew him once and you walked away I don't know but he is good and there's nobody who'll take care of you like him and if you've got fears, if you've got the things we've been talking about, you're dealing with emotions that are out of control, you got uh, tired, if you're fatigued and you're frustrated and, and you've been wrestling with things, I want to tell you, bring it under his unending reign and welcome the reign of the peace of God that has no end in your life. Welcome the reign of his power, his majesty, his omnipotence, his goodness, his life. Welcome him. Can we just bow our heads for a moment? Jesus, just settle our hearts before him. This is Christmas Eve. This is special. Jesus, we honor you today. If you're here today and you've never just surrendered to Jesus, just do that right now. Just say, Jesus, I'm laying my life before you. Come in and take up residence. I'm sorry. I know I tried to do this life on my own. I'm sorry for my own rebellion, my own sin, my own independence. God, I'm sorry. Jesus, I, I want to move forward from this day with you. I want to know you. I want to know you, Jesus. I want to taste and see that you are good. You're not religious. You're not condemning. You're not shaming. You just want to help me and give me life and give me a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, whatever it is. God, you got my back. I surrender here and you're dealing with some really rough things this Christmas and it's not uncommon. Loneliness sets in. Fears, concerns. Maybe things you've been wrestling with that you hold dear to your heart and Jesus says, just bring it to me. Just settle your heart before me. Welcome his unrending reign of peace. Welcome his manifest presence. Say, Jesus, I bow before you. I give it to you. Lord, I need you. Jesus, it's so good to be in your presence. I sense, I sense his presence even in this room. God, we just need your presence. We, if we can get in your presence, Lord, so much can be taken care of. We honor you today, Jesus. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play.